Welcome to the Unleashed Podcast, where we believe that life is better when it's lived on purpose. My name is Molly Brunk, and I am joined with lead pastor of Be Hope Church, Brad Thompson. And today we have our very first guest uh, podcast host with us. This is so fun. We were joined with Ellen Cheney, and uh, she is the director of HR, and she does a thousand other fancy things that she will tell us about eventually. But fancy, fancy, yeah. <laughs> but we're gonna start the podcast off like we normally do with our fumble moment of the week. Brad, you got us for this one. I do, and I think I don't know if this is a fumble moment or more of a pet peeve of mine. This is some. Can I now? This is. This is not going to be crisp or clean, and, and it may be bad and may offend some of you, but it hasn't stopped us before from having these conversations. So <laughs> I think the thing I want to talk about today to start our time is uh, the difference between these macro leaders we see and these micro leaders we see, and it kind of leads into the why of why we have Ellen here today. But uh, here's what I mean by this, and maybe you guys can chime in. Um, one of my greatest frustrations as of recent is that we have these, um, we have what I call podcast swapping. I don't even know if I can use that language, (laughs) but it's like all the famous podcasters just move from one podcast to the other and they have these massive platforms and there's nothing wrong with that. But my greatest struggle as of late has been that sometimes uh, we are attempting to be people that, that I don't know that it's, I'm not sure that, I'll ever get to that level. Uh, I'm not saying that it's bad to follow them or that we shouldn't listen to them, but there's part of me that's always like, oh, um, we're following people that it's almost, it's ne- it's not going to be achievable in my life. And and then I, you start to peel back some of the layers of some of these leaders, and then you find out, oh, like, the person you see on the podcast is not the person you see behind the scenes in the organization. And so you have these big macro leaders that we follow, Um and I'm not saying that those people are bad. I think that's good. I listen to them. But there's also this realization of we have so many other leaders that we come into contact with day to day, especially here at Be Hope. We have an amazing church full of leaders who do really important things. And I don't know if we call them micro versus macro, but we have micro churches. We have micro greens. <laughs> uh, what other micros do we have? Beats me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you listed all of them. So. I guess uh, the, the, the two things, micro churches and micro greens. Uh, I guess that's all we Can't have. anything um, be micro? Like I, micro farming? Microwaved. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you micro farming. Micro. micro groups, micro churches. Yeah. Like there's so many micro things that can happen. <laughs> but I think there's so many leaders that that we wouldn't see on a national platform that in the end I feel like, oh, I have so much that I can learn from them. I find that... Uh, when I'm gathered around some of the leaders in our church, I'm always like, oh, there's so much that I'm learning from them in this moment. So uh, that's the why of why we have Ellen on today and we have future leaders coming on. But um, but Ellen, one of the questions we have for you is how would you define a leader? And you can chime in on any yeah. thoughts about macro micro leaders. Yeah, there's there's a lot that you can kind of part and parcel with that opening statement because, you know, you have those macro leaders, those large names that people listen to or people tend to flock to, to be influenced by because they have so many functional parts underneath them that are making things happen. Yeah. And um, we talked a little bit before this podcast started, but I call those the daily doers. Those are the people that these macro or these large level leaders are 100% dependent on. Um, And oftentimes those people that are behind the scenes, those daily doers, 
myself being one of them, um, is that they make things happen. They are the ones that are setting forth actions based on the intentions behind the mission statement, based on the vision that was casted, the strategy planning that's been going on. Oftentimes, they're the people a part of all of those things. You need a name. And people tune in to podcasts for that name. And a good face. And a good face. (laughs) And a good face. But, or a good face. Um, But um, ultimately, it's the daily doers that are really your functional leaders. Because those then are also influencing. We have them and we call them hope team members. We do. And every day they make things happen. Every day they do things for the greater good of his kingdom. And... We depend a lot on that work. Yeah. So, yeah. But to define a leader, there is a fine line between leader and leadership. And a leader is the person. It's the person commanding. It's the person hopefully inspiring. It is the person guiding. It's sometimes the person removing obstacles or struggles to make something happen. It's kind of that kind of top line person that people look or depend on for. Fill in the blank. Leadership um, is a little bit different because that's the action. That is everything purposeful for the greater good of the organization. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, that sometimes deals with conflict. You know, that's when leadership really kicks in. Um, Leadership can be learned. Leadership can be strengthened. Leadership can be born into. um, But a leader is just the person. It is the face. Yeah. Mm. and people have different definitions of a leader. It is a noun. Um, <laughs> it is a, a single source that starts with whatever that mission is or that vision is or that strategy is yep. or the goal for us this year. We're moving forward. That is our mission. That is our goal. That is our intention. But every daily doer is making us move forward yep. in whatever that major thing is. I like that. The daily doer. <laughs> the daily we doer. We borrow that. The daily doer. We can steal it. Yeah. Are you the daily doer or are you just the face? Ooh. Are you asking me or are you asking like the broader audience? Oh, uh, broader audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know in the comments. Are you just yeah, the face? put it in the chat. <laughs> so speaking of leadership, uh, one of the things we want to talk about, the main idea we want to talk about in this series, because we're talking about conflict, is leadership on conflict or mm-hmm. leadership in conflict. Uh I really believe that you have to be a leader to do conflict well. And so you are an expert um, in this area. Not in conflict. (laughs) Uh, Can you quickly just describe to us um, what is it you do? What's your title? Because people are probably like, well, what does she know about conflict? So I think you're the right So I have um, over 20 years experience in human resources. And um, I manage um, large scale macro, I guess you could say. Um, with a wonderful functioning team for an organization um, for all of North America and Canada. So regionally, um, I have a very big portion of what we call shared services. So anything that affects the end user, our everyday doer, uh, the hard worker, the heartbeat and hands behind the product that we make, um, I start with those people in mind. Uh, When you start thinking about policies or harmonization or standardization of policy, uh, fairness and equitable distribution. I'm the gatekeeper to those things. Yeah. Um, every day I deal with conflict, um, you know, in, in many different ways or facets of my job, uh, perspectives, opinions. No, that language doesn't look right. Oh, that affects this person. That's a union. That's a non-union. Right. Um, there's so many things that you have to think about um, when doing the type of work that I do. Um, 
I don't want to say that I'm, um, I learn every day, right? Like I'm, I'm not an expert in the field of human resources. Um, but I feel like, um, with my experience and time and tenure within this particular faction of industry of this organization, um, I probably have maneuvered my way through conflict in many different ways. Mm. <laughs> not that makes me a master. I don't, <laughs> I don't know much about HR. I'm probably not the HR kind of guy, but I would guess there's a lot of connections between HRing and pastoring. Like, I'm sure you got some doozy stories when oh, it comes yeah, yeah, to people. Yeah. <laughs> None of which you can share out of like, do they have HIPAA in HR? Or is that All just the it. medical yeah, field? It's, it's very confidential. Yeah. <laughs> do they have HIPAA in the HR world? That's fair. Yeah, I'm sure there are lots of aligning uh, tasks and roles that we play when it is pastoring and HR because you're oh, guiding yeah. people through uh, sometimes it, messes. Well, there's a fine balance between like managing the actual policy or how it affects somebody, but really HR is you're also managing the emotion. Mm -hmm. um, and so like there's that really beautiful balance or blend of uh, being able to deliver a message um, with tact, diplomacy, kindness, but that policy is the same for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not going to subscribe to your emotion. I'm not going to throw a personal pity party and RSVP and say, oh, yes, I see that you're affected by this. And so I'm now going to change my mind. You know, it's those really like so fine ways of like, um, I'm sorry, uh, you're fired. And this is why. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could say a lot on that, but <laughs> that's not why I'm here. No, <laughs> you, you, you would have to have a high level of emotional intelligence to do what you do. That's one of the behavioral competencies that we can talk about. <gasps> Fantastic. <laughs> hey, let's, let's get into it today. Let's talk about leadership and conflict and uh, where where should we start? You tell me. Is there a specific Yeah. Well, so we Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about, like, we want to learn from you. But one of the things we want to learn is about the four steps to resolve conflict yeah. as a leader. But before we dive into that, um, I want to know what's at risk when we don't handle conflict well, before we dive into all of the steps. I think it's, uh, I can really, there's the old adage of, right, um, negativity is infectious. You know, mm -hmm. if there's anything that grows fast, it's that. People tend to flock towards the negative or want to give you what you did wrong first because it's easy. You can pick that apart. Um, the disengagement at any point in time a leader does not want to get involved get engaged, acknowledge that something is wrong, um, you are really risking the, the quickness, the speed, um, truly the trajectory of watching your culture start to really disintegrate. And it's like, it's, it's sad because really, and I'll always say it, Conflict is not a clash. It's a really open invitation to have a conversation. That's good. Never, ever, ever try to avoid or appease a moment in any of that just to get through that moment. If you don't sit and you don't listen, you don't engage, you don't acknowledge, you don't look at somebody in the eyes and be able to be able to empathize with one, not that I'm asking anybody as a leader to say, oh, I hear what you're saying. I understand. Oh, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. It's not about agreeing with somebody. It's just giving them that open door to start to get something off heavy off their chest yeah. or deal with a problem that they saw. Oftentimes, people don't really go to leaders for, I want you to solve this for me. A lot of times, people typically go to leaders because they feel unheard by their first level. 
mm. by their second in command, by, you know, whatever. Typically, when it gets to large scale or macro leadership and it gets to that level, it's because they feel unheard, they feel undervalued, and at the end of the day, completely unacknowledged. When those continue to build fester and completely grow on one another, it's exponential as to what really is at risk mm -hmm. because you don't know. You don't know who they talk to. You don't know the intentions behind their negative messaging. All they know is, is that they feel like they aren't wanted. Mm -hmm. Their comment isn't wanted. They feel undervalued. So wait a minute. And just in in one in one sense, we talk about the leader, the lead, the leaders at the top, the macro leaders. Mm -hmm. But but what we're also saying in this moment is, if at any point the conflict gets to that level, yeah, then we have we have reached new heights of demise in our organization. Mm. Yes, right. Yep. Because it's a horrible domino effect. Yeah, like it's just the cascade effect of like if it's at your level, you already know that any rings you have within your leadership team, if it's there then it was never dealt with to begin with. Let me ask this question. Is it uh, at the point that it gets to— uh, Or, not that it wasn't dealt with, it it didn't meet their goal in mind. Yeah. Which, you know, a lot of times when anybody sits down with a subordinate or a direct report or somebody on a HOPE team um, to listen or engage a discussion, um, that's their opportunity to start with that kind of intention setting, yeah. that goal in mind. And I will always tell anybody um, within my organization, if you're dealing with a conflict or you're dealing with a hard discussion with anybody, especially two parties, that right there is the beauty of being able to start with the end goal in mind. Like if somebody's bringing an issue to the table at your feet, like, hey, I want this, this, this issue happened, or I disagree with this, or that's not what had happened, you know, whatever. Whatever the, the matter is, that's a point in time where you say, okay, let's start with the end goal in mind. What do you want to come out of this discussion? Yeah. And then that affords everybody to get on the same page all at once. That's and good. the leader of that discussion continue to repurpose that intention. If you see that discussion going wayward, if you see this going sideways, if you feel like they're going off, no, okay, let's go back to why are we meeting? What is the intention? What is, and um, I had read this article in Forbes uh, from this leader, a micro leader, <laughs> and he had says, you know, if you if you can start with this intention setting mindset as a leader, you're kind of starting with a goal with a soul. You know, it's like this this thing that is ever living and breathing, and it's got soul because when there's a conflict, it also affords both parties that are clashing um, to actually have a reestablishment of what they want right. to come out of it, right. to reestablish their relationship, to reestablish, um, you know, their maybe inabilities to communicate in the past, but it puts them on the same blank playing field so that they can see like something, a new blossom from. Yeah. Yeah. So quick question. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love this idea that, um, when it comes to conflict, we want to, we want to set a goal in mind of where, what we want to accomplish and what we want to see. The question is, uh, where do most people actually start though? Like when it comes to conflict, I, I would guess, uh, when emotions are high and people are frustrated, most people don't come to the table and say, we should set a goal before we have this conversation. Like, where do people typically start? They start just talking over the problem. Like, somebody will state what the problem is. And, like, just to kind of go over those four, you have to, as a leader, choose to engage. You have to listen before you speak. You have to clarify what you heard from somebody and respond accordingly. Okay. And at the end, you really do genuinely, intentionally have to move forward. Okay. Um, 
And really what happens is, is you see oftentimes a lot of people will speak before they listen. <laughs> you know, somebody sits down with you and gives you a problem. And you're like, well, this is what I would do, you know. And you're, nobody's really intentionally doing that powerful listening step or intentional listening step to where you're allowing them to have this open platform um, to really talk openly about all things. And it could be about the problem. It could be about their feelings. Yeah. It could be about... Um, what hasn't happened or what this used to, this is a lot, a lot of people love to talk about. Um, well, in the past, this is how we used to do things. Um, and, you know, let them get it out. Let, a, let them get all that off their mind or off their chest because ultimately you already know, you know, it doesn't matter what used to be, you know, the worst thing you could ever be in, in life is um, inflexible to change. Um, not being malleable, not being... Um, able to change effectively with new organization, new change management, new styles, uh, new mission statements for the year, you're going to be continually stuck. Um, and so, again, just listening through it and being able to speak afterward, but really intentionally listening and being able to then clarify with them, so this is what I hear. This is what you just said to me. What is your intention now from that? What do you want to gather from here? That way, at least you know you can start puzzle piecing some some way of moving forward. You don't have to solve the problem. What I've always pushed for in, in anybody that comes forward is I'm you're quick to give me the problem. If I hope you're coming just as quick to help solve it. Yeah. A lot of times people just want to give theirs and put it on your lap and say, okay, you yeah. need to help me. Um, but if you start creating a culture of if you're going to bring a problem, I'm really hoping that you come ready to also become a problem solver. Because if you as a leader continually have to be the one to make something better for someone, then you're never going to not have a problem right. mm -hmm. because they're always going to expect that they're going to come to you to fix it for them. Yeah. So, and it gives you a hard time to actually be an attentive listener. Oh, yeah. When people come with problems, because then it feels like a personal burden or a personal attack if they're not a part of the solution. Mm -hmm. And that's when you see like functional leaders be, you kind of do a quick sigh of, oh, yeah, here, here she comes again. <laughs> or, you know, because you almost know, like, the narrative has been pre-written. Yes. And it's like you can all—I mean, it's like you're a fortune teller. It's like Miss Cleo came in, put out her crystal ball. You know <laughs> what type of discussion you're about ready to have. But, you know, really the leader has to look at themselves to say, I created that because they aren't holding them just as accountable. The— beauty of having daily doers become leaders is that daily doers have responsibilities, which means leaders then hold them accountable to yep. it. And so, you know, if you're not making them accountable to help solve a problem, well, then what does that say about you as a leader? Right. Well, it also goes, uh, in addition to the people who come with all the problems who then have no resolution or solutions, they're also the same people who uh, drive me nuts when they they blame the silent majority that doesn't exist. Mm. <laughs> when people come, uh, we were talking about this with our leadership team the other night, like, uh, if we have a problem, uh, don't use language like they. Yeah. Uh, who are these people we're talking about? And it nothing gets under my skin more than, uh, well, I don't want to tell you, you know, because it's like, well, at that point, it's just you speaking. Mm -hmm. Right. Nobody else is saying that. It's just you. Yeah. Right. It's it's like how how can you actually get to the root cause if you don't really know where the root begins? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> so okay, true. well, 
Tell them. <laughs> so talk with us about these four major ideas. Uh, you, you, you talked about them um, mm-hmm. uh, briefly here for just a second, but I want to dive into them just a little bit sure. more. Um, so when it comes to uh, in, when it comes to conflict resolution or leading a conflict, what is the first step uh, that is essential? Obviously, we said setting goals. But what is the first step within that? It is a choice. It's a conscientious effort and choice. It is willful intention to engage with it. Okay. Period. There is no like meandering around it. And you can put timelines on that. Like if somebody brought a problem to you and saying, hey, I have an issue. You know, obviously I'm not saying put all your stuff down, get to it. But you need to be very mindful and tactful with saying, all right, um, do you mind if I get back with you tomorrow? I'll set a, I'll set a meeting. You know, yeah. I, I want to listen to you. I want to make sure I have enough time set aside you know, is there, is there something I want to be, you want me to be prepared for? A lot of times I'm always like being cold cocked with a problem doesn't afford you as a leader to actually best prepare. So in order for you to go into a discussion, right-minded, I always, I have always asked people, you know, is there something that I can prepare for this? You know, do you have an agenda you want to set or do you want to just send me maybe a baseline topic? That way then I can actually kind of mentally get prepared for further discussion on this tomorrow. It's kind of like when people text you're like, <laughs> I need to talk to you about something. <laughs> yeah. I would love to chat with you. Yeah. Would you like to share what we're going to be talking about? Mm-hmm. No, I just need to talk with you. <laughs> yeah. I don't take meetings anymore unless they yeah. tell me exactly what they want to talk about. And then it also like allows the leader to then like know priority driven yeah. measures, right? Like if they say, yeah, this is about, you know, something and in your mind, you're like, I can index that and say, okay, I can get to them right before lunch or something. And I, I can set, or, set aside 30 minutes. And then, of course, if something really bad and you think that it has a large cascade effect on the rest of your daily doers, yeah, you know that you need to hit that one hard first thing. Right. Because you don't want that to fester and grow. So it's a choice. Um, that's the beauty, right? Like we serve a God of free will and he's giving you the choice to get involved. Um, but you have to want to do it and it has to be intentional. It can't come off inauthentic. It can't come off disingenuine. It can't just be, well, this is part of my job and I'm just going to sit there. Like, when I say choose to get engaged, like sit there and actually make eye contact with them yeah. and actually like have a social structured discussion. Don't be looking at your phone. Put it down. A ch- that's a choice. Right. It's, it, it's, it's one, respect driven, and two, it builds trust between you and them. Yeah, can, can I uh, deal with the tension that I struggle with when it comes to choosing to mm-hmm. engage with people in conflict? Uh, there are some people. Uh, Molly would be one of these people. Uh, I have no problem having an honest discussion. Mm-hmm. We did the other day. Hey, can we have a can we have an honest talk real quick? Sure, we did. Uh, there are other people. It's like it. I feel like I'm not a non confrontational person, but there are some people. It's just like oh, I really do not want to do this. Mm-hmm. So why is it? I feel like I can. I I, I am confrontational. I I don't love conflict, but I know it's necessary. Some people I will. Some people I won't. Yeah, I would say it's probably already established built-in trust channels. So like people that you already know, that you've built good rapport, relationship, trust with. Right. It it could just be, um, I mean, I would say it's probably established relationship building. Like if, if, if that's like your first like gut reaction, oh, you know, it's you, you have, you have a known source that you've built rapport response, yep. respect with. Yep. Whereas to like the others, those are ones either haven't been established or they have been established and you don't trust it. That makes sense. 
And that was helpful. That was so helpful. That's good. That's good. What's step number two? Step number two is just simply listen more than you speak. You're not the one with the problem. So if you're talking more than the person that is bringing you the issue or the matter at hand that they want to assist with or is having a rough time with, um, if you find yourself being the vocal piece, then obviously you're not spending enough time or attuned in to really listening. Because intentional listening is really listening for cues. It's listening for understanding maybe where that problem exists. Um, it's, you know, we were all raised in a different moral and value system. You know, like we're, we're, we were raised in different cultures. And, you know, sometimes basic, basic problems are simply structured because people have different priorities in mind. People have different sure. value structures in mind. And sometimes it's just as easy as that, right. you know? Um, but you have to listen for those things. You have what, to, what are some of the cues you're looking for? You said you're you're looking for cues. You're listening for cues. Like, what are you listening for? Um, and, and it's different on each issue, right? Number one, um, sometimes I listen with my eyes. So a lot of times you're picking up nonverbals. You're picking up just basic dialogue. You're you're like that's the eye roll. That's the um, body posture. They won't look at you. You know. Um, a lot of the studies that I had within university was um, when you can start to really tell when you're effectively communicating um, through nonverbal dialogue is like, what is lying? You know, what, what, how, how are people posturing themselves when they are either trying to create a problem, fibbing about an issue, or trying to manipulate a conversation? Yeah. And you're going to just see that in basic, you know, eye contact, body posture, movement, fidgeting, those type of things. Uh, basic cues, a lot of times people will start talking about their past when they're talking or past practice or this was the culture before. You're kind of listening to cues that have helped create their, um, what they know are known habits or things that they feel are, is making their problems so bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People take personal offense to when things change. It's mm -hmm. their that's their first thing. It's, mm. you know, and like, I always just say, like, you have, this isn't about you, you know, because an organization is changing, because something is changing, don't ever take personal offense to that. You know, you have to look at the bigger, broader picture, that macro level. We're going to go back to it every time here. Um, never take a personal offense to something changing within a system. If you do that, you are personalizing your job way too much. You know, do you kiss your job goodnight? Do you tuck your job in? You know, no. I mean, I would take personal offense if, you know, something happened with one of my kids or somebody, you know, offended my husband or something. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you kind of take personal offense to those things. But, like, it's a job. What if your job keeps you up at night? Does that count? <laughs> well, no. I mean, that's <laughs> genuinely, I would say it's because you care. Okay, okay. <laughs> you, you, you genuinely care about it. Um, but I, you know. It shouldn't, it shouldn't affect your emotions. Um, you know, problems should not affect your emotions. You should be able to vocalize them, work through them, um, resolve them, you know, come yeah. to some type of compromise at times. I mean, it should, it, because that's when work doesn't allow you to have fun anymore. And that's when resentment builds. And that's when anger, that's when aggression start. And yeah. then when you start having retention problems mm. within an organization. That's good. Talk to us about uh, clarifying and responding. That's simply like if you were to just like break it down as people know that you have been actively listening when you can actually go back to what they said. Okay. You know, 
And if you're going back and you're talking with that person and saying, well, this is what I heard you say, or this is, this is my take, let me know if, you know, my notes I'm taking down because I'm trying to read your emotion at the same time. And I just yeah. want to make sure I understand. It's you're clarifying what you have visually or vocally heard from the person. And then you're responding in a way of like, you know what? I want to, I want to marinate on this. I want to ruminate on this for a day. I want to speak to other stakeholders within this problem. That's and good. I want us to all get back together. And that's that last is that way you can move forward. A lot of times people feel like they need to fix a problem. And a lot of times it's not that. A lot of times the person has to fix their own problem. You're just helping them uh, strengthen their skill set, yeah. remove an obstacle, or supporting them in a way that makes them feel like they are empowered to do the right thing moving forward for Ooh, whatever that really relationship. Good. That's really good. I never, and, 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 I, and I, this is just me and how I deal. <laughs> I always look at them at the end and say, this is what I've heard. This is what we plan to do. But I want you to understand, I don't own your problem. Mm. My job isn't to come into this discussion to change your feelings. You own those feelings. Yeah. That's the beauty of a feeling. It's yours to own. Right. My job is hopefully to affect your perspective and affect change in a positive way to make your job fun again or mm. to have a positive outcome come out of this. Leaders should never own somebody's feelings and leaders should never say your problem is now my problem. To me, problems are not problems until they continue to morph into something greater that is very destructive. Problem is an opportunity. Yep. You know, and it's an open invitation to say, hey, let's make this great again. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that's why, and I know I've made the comment, I'm like a moth to a flame when it comes to conflict <laughs> because I have always been very, very forward facing and to say like something positive is gonna come out of this. Mm -hmm. Um, and if I can be a change agent in that or a mediator in that or a leader in that, then that's what I'm going to do. I will I will open that invite card every day and I will go head head into it. I will if somebody comes to my to my office and says, "L, this is the problem." I will say, "Okay, we're going to never let it go past a day." Oh, very good. I, I I would never let it go past a day because typically you know, even this with the size of the problem, it doesn't matter. Any problem doesn't problem. I mean, yeah, it's wow. and it could be as simple as I'm going to circle back to you tomorrow if you don't mind, or um, you know, hey, can I come back to you again? I'm not asking anybody to put down their daily tasks that have already been pre-managed. Um, and there's some, you know, you're going to get that gut feeling. I mean, we're all human. You can get the pit of your stomach if I don't deal with this now. Something bad is going to happen. Mm. I love the fact that God gave us all that instinctual behavior. Mm. Because um, you know when something's wrong. You know it. For sure. And so if you don't tap into that, that to me, and I'll always say any good leader, that's your best tool in your toolkit is basic instinct. It is the ability to tap into that raw emotion. Don't act on it in yeah, a way that yeah. makes it looks like you're concerned, but just know like, I need to get to this today. And if you're not, then you're again, that's an open invitation to let that grow elsewhere. Yeah. Not for yeah. you to control it or to control the narrative of it, but to allow that to grow and fester and take root and just absolutely wreck. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really freeing to me, at least. I don't know about you, Molly, but for yeah. me, it's like hearing that I don't have to own somebody else's problems, but my goal is to empower people, which is really my heart, mm -hmm. like to empower people within that problem is it's freeing. Because I think naturally you hear a problem and it's like, okay, well, now what am I going to do about mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. I think that's the natural go-to. Yeah. Yeah, and it feels like a burden. And so it's—and I feel like 
uh, that's something that I've wrestled with over this last year of like, I constantly hear feedback now and I really didn't before. And so I think for a while I was really defensive anytime I heard anything. And I think even you just saying like making them a partner in the solution that honestly just brings such a weight off of my shoulders because I'm like, oh, it's not me. Like, I'm not the problem. Like, Mm -mm. there are things that we can do collectively to make this better. Yeah, feedback, I love it because it's a gift, right? Like, to me— Some days. No, (laughs) it is. It's it's a beautiful thing. Like, I always tell people, once you get feedback, you're the owner of it. So how you unwrap it, unpack it, and do something with it is completely up to you. Yes. You know? You could, it, it could be, oh, it's Christmas, I got socks, eh, and chuck it. That's totally up to you. It could be bad feedback. And you will you will have enough, again, in that basic instinct as a leader to say, yeah, that feedback is bogus. I'm not saying you say that to them to their face, <laughs> but at least you know that that's one gift that you don't have to deal with that day. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. It's okay to have that perspective. Doing nothing with feedback is should never be an option. That is not engaging. That is not in, intentional. That is not at all willfully wanting to understand. Yeah, that's it's good. good. That's really good. Uh, we're, it? it is. It's <laughs> great. It really no, is good. We're so grateful that you came on today. But before we wrap up, we always have to finish off our episodes with our Hope or Nopes. And so I thought it would be best if you gave us the Hope or Nopes. Like if I present uh, them to you and you tell us go. whether it's Hope or let's Nope. Let's go. Brad, you can also chime in. But the first one is Galentine's Day. Is that a hope or a nope? It's already a nope. <laughs> it's a nope. We're already off to a bad side. It's a nope. <laughs> it's a nope. Why? Here's the real. Like, Valentine's Gal- no. Day is. Well, there's no Galentine's Day, but like, I mean, any anybody could have a Galentine's Day at any point in time they That's want true. on any weekend. It's true. Any day could be Galentine's Unless Day. Unless yeah, you I mean, It's like that <laughs> whole concept of treat yourself. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like. Maybe you're actually just really pro Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah. You just say that it's only one day. It's, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, the next one is, do you know these names, Timothy Chalamet and Kylie Jenner? Is that I, a hope or a nope? Or I will say nope. <laughs> <laughs> do you know who they are? I know exactly who they are. <laughs> oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. And you're still she saying She secretly nope. follows yeah, them on Instagram. No, <laughs> I mean, you know, if you look at um, past patterns of mm-hmm. relationships mm-hmm. with them— yeah. You're not really I mean, I will say this. It. I will put them on my prayer list. <laughs> and I'll said, pray for true love. He said, I will psychoanalyze them and pray yes, for them. Yes, at the same all time. at the same time. All right, the last one um, is the NFL transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Someone told me NFL this. or college football? You tell me. I, I think don't it's know. NIL. I wrote that. NIL. And then I changed it because I thought it was a typo. <laughs> I was like, Wait, I, maybe we should have you I do the like, hope or no, Molly. I was Molly. like, I don't know what an NIL is, How but about- I know what the NFL is. So. <laughs> <laughs> what is, is it a hope or a no, Brad? NIL portal. Uh, unfortunately, it's a no for me because you are turning college football into the uh, into the mafia. I oh. 100% agree. I'm oh. all three nopes this time. Yeah, three this nopes. This is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's real life. But we are so excited that you tuned in to the Unleashed Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe and share with everyone in your sphere of influence. And we will see you back here next episode. <laughs>